Welcome to the Practical Missions Podcast. I'm your host. Calling in missions is always more complicated than it seems. I've known people who came out to the Arab world, felt a real passion in calling, but once they arrived, they absolutely hated it. I know other people who came out for what they thought was going to be just a short-term trip and stayed for decades. Well, my guest today shares her story of how God is using her in missions 30 years after she initially felt called. You know, the life of the believer is always far messier than we ever imagined and never seems to smoothly move up and to the right. But in the midst of all the messiness, God has a plan that he is accomplishing. I hope this conversation really encourages you today. All right, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to have you with me. How long have you been working in cross, kind of cross-cultural missions? Well, altogether, it's seven years. And you are on a more administrative side of things, is that right? Yeah, you could say that. And you're working in personnel, you're working in training, you're working as a personal assistant to the field leader. You've helped facilitate trainings. And I'm involved in people care for uh, uh, the wider region. You're doing a lot. And I think I think it's really cool to have your perspective on the podcast. You're living in Europe and you're interacting with new people coming onto the field yes. in people care. So you're interacting with people already on the field. Mm-hmm. You're helping with training. You're interacting with leaders. You're sitting in on a lot of phone calls. I'm sure a lot of uh, a lot of teams and Zoom calls. Yes. <laughs> and so I think you're your perspective is very unique and I'm very happy to hear it. I want to start with how you became a believer. Mm. Tell me your story about how you came to know Jesus. That's not a very long story, actually, because I grew up in a Christian family and I grew into faith. So there was a time in my life when I drifted off as a teenager, as many people do. I was not sure anymore whether all the things that I said about God and and knew all the right answers, whether I I still believed them because Mm. I've heard all the answers and all the right statements, faith statements. And um, yeah, I wasn't sure whether I still felt it, meant it. I definitely did not live by it at, in some stages. So I went to the States at one time uh, as an au pair and I met some people from InterVarsity Group there. And they impressed me by the way they lived, the lively things they did, the fun things they did coming from a rather restrained background. Mm. And so that was the first time that I thought, okay, if they are believers and they do all these fun things, then I want to be sure I'm (laughs) with it as well or or come back to it or however you want to Mm. call it. So that was the initial thing. Actually, the way I came back, I don't know whether you want to hear that story. That is a longer story because, yeah, my my parents sort of blackmailed me into this. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me this story. They actually blackmailed me into missions in that sense as well. So, (laughs) (laughs) how did they do that? Yeah. Okay. So at that point, I was I started studying. I started studying arts, and um, I was always wanting to travel. I like to travel, and I was always uh, in need of money. Mm. So my parents supported me, and uh, I think they knew that I was not quite living the way I should be living. And then they heard about this mission organizing these outreaches, these one-month outreaches among different people groups in in my home country and in other countries, neighboring countries, and uh, they thought it was a good thing. So they said, okay, if you want to have the money for your travels, then 
we want you to go on one of these one month outreaches. <laughs> so I said, okay, yes, um, well, it's not quite what I would want to do, but okay, one month I can do. So here I am, I go to the conference in, in um, they have like a preparational conference for these outreaches. I go there and from the very beginning, the leader of the organization says, well, if you don't really follow Christ and if you don't really, if you're not really behind what we're doing and what we want to do, reaching out to other people and sharing the gospel, you better go home. Mm. And I thought, well, I'm not really behind it. Mm. <laughs> I'm not going to go get up, pack my suitcase and go home. How embarrassing is that? Yeah. So I said, I'll stick to that. I go through those three mm. or four weeks and uh, nobody will notice because, um, yeah. Anyhow, it was the last evening and um, I was sort of dozing off or, you know, wandering off in my thoughts. And I saw that my friend beside me, she stood up. And I thought, okay, this is the final prayer and I'm going to stand up <laughs> with her. Then when I stood up, I realized not everybody's standing up. Uh -huh. And then I realized when the preacher was praying, it was a prayer of recommitment. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, all that to say, I did not know what I was doing then, but then I really prayed that prayer. because And, and the funny thing is, I'm not sure whether yeah. I would have stood up if I had known mm that this was a prayer for commitment because then I would have outed myself, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> having to But you weren't very committed in the first place. Yes, so, and that was it. But then you committed yourself from your heart. Yes. Wow. I, yeah, I, I prayed that prayer and then I went to this outreach and I had wonderful team leaders that, yeah, just took me along. Mm. They did not pressure me. They, you know, I thought they would sort of counsel me, do therapy or something yeah. because I recommitted my life. But they just let me run along and mm. it was a wonderful time realizing that God is really there and wanting me there. Mm. So that's what brought me back to God, mm. actually, in a life wow. with God. So doing a short-term missions trip brought you back to God? Yes, in a sense. It's yes. Incredible. And to the organization that I'm now working with. Mm. And what happened after that? After that, I went back to, to study. And then I heard... Uh, Did you feel a calling into missions at that point? or No. 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 I always knew that, you know, I was supposed to share my faith, but mm. that was rather a burden than a delight in a way. But <laughs> and at that time, I was also studying Oriental studies. So um, we, we did outreach among the Turkish population and... Um, I think there was a spark there and something that set me going, but it was not like, I never felt that like a clear calling. It was a direction I went, I was interested in, yeah, maybe there was a calling, but I wouldn't phrase it that way. So I went back to my studies and then when I heard that one of the ships of that organization was near my place, I said, yeah, I'm going to go for as long as my I have a break to just help them out and remodel that ship. Mm. Uh, one or two weeks, I said, I could do that. So I stayed for a year. <laughs> oh, you stayed for a year on the ship. Mm. Wow. Well, I went back a bit and finished that term, but then I, w I went and joined that ship. Wow. And the one year became two years. So that's how I ended up in, in mission work. In mm. mission field. So you were sailing around on the ship, mm -hmm. going from port to port, country to country. Did you did you feel some sort of a calling or, or, or pull at that point into missions? No, I I wanted to serve God in that area. Mm. 
And um, again, I, I always felt, uh, actually it was more that, the again, the, the ship and the ship's crew impressed me by the way they just lived their face yeah. and worked out. And, and the international crew worshipping together. It was all very attractive. Mm. Uh, attractive to me and my mother always said you know you're just an adventurer you just want the adventure yeah and you don't want you know to to serve god so i i always avoided that <laughs> vocabulary well, because what my kind, mother what <laughs> kind words yeah <laughs> yeah because she always talked like this so i said yeah anyhow i i prayed a lot i prayed a lot about yeah. before i decided to join the ship yeah, it was little things that made me do this, yeah. actually, in the end. I'm not always being sure that was the right decision. Yeah. But being on the ship then, I totally knew yeah. it was good. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting you mentioned the ship because that's actually where I got my start in mm -hmm. missions, was on the ship. And when I went, it was 100% for the adventure. <laughs> I had, you know, I was really, I, I was sold by the idea that while wow, there's going to be so many different countries represented on the ship, we're going to go to so many different places. Mm -hmm. In fact, my youth pastor who told me about the ship, he sold it to me as it as the adventure of a lifetime. You know, there you go. And that's when, I, and and then I went on the ship and I had the adventure of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. But I was also struck by the holiness of God on the ship. Mm -hmm. uh, I fell in love with God on the ship, and I also fell in love with His name being uh, spread among the nations as well. Mm -hmm. I had a an awakening, a, a realization of what of who God is and what it means for His name to maybe maybe, maybe to not be honored on the lips mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. every man, woman, and child. Mm -hmm. You know, when mm -hmm. they were, when they were created for that very purpose. So continue, tell, tell me the, the rest of your story. Well, I, after I left the ship, I went on a different program going to different countries in Asia, but we couldn't stay there um, in one of the countries because it was a difficult political situation. I, at that time, felt that I should be going to the Muslim world, mm. to the Arab world, because that was my study background too. But I did not feel very at home or good in one of these countries to... So when we got asked to leave, when we were asked to leave, I went back home and finished my studies. And actually that was it mm. for a while. Mm. And then having had that experiences of going door to door and doing what I would call hardcore evangelism, yeah. in a sense, I said, I, that's not what I want to mm. do. We had very good experiences and I'm sure God blessed it. But it was... Uh, a time when I thought I want to work and in my natural context meet people and share with people, mm. like in, within the job context or where mm. I live. So I got a job in Turkey and uh, I worked as a secretary in a, in a holding company and that's where I really learned the language well and I felt very good doing that. But then I also realized I worked nine hours a day. I had hardly any time left. Mm. To do evangelism and it was not the the team there were some team members there but not not a team really functioning team so i thought that it was the r1 out and in the end i did not rejoin the organization well it's interesting what year was that that was 87 87 so you were doing the the scatter or marketplace missions before that was even a thing huh yeah but but um, my company or the, the organization said, yeah, you can go there, you can be 
you know, so have sort of fellowship with the team members, but you're not part of us because that's not what we want. Mm-hmm. Mm. So the the organization said, if you're not kind of doing full time evangelism, mm-hmm. you can't join us. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's so interesting how things have developed over the years, huh? Yeah, and but but I have to say that at that time there was no no real or proper or whatever you call it team in mm. that city that I was working. Yeah. At, so. And did you go into like? Did you take this job? As a marketplace missionary? In a sense, yes. Yeah. But there were two two motives. Uh, one motive was to learn the language properly. Yeah. That I, I was frustrated because I didn't really learn it within my st- uh, during my studies. And so I said, I want to really learn mm. it. Yes, and see where God wants me to be. And is it that people group or... Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting with with language. I was talking to somebody the other day who's been in missions for like 40 years. And they said back in the olden days <laughs> that uh, language in missions was actually less a priority than it is today. I was surprised mm-hmm. to hear that. Mm-hmm. I was surprised to hear that we have more of an emphasis on learning the language mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. Uh, than they did 40 years ago. Yes. Mm-hmm. Before it was just like distribute the literature, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, <laughs> get yeah, it out. Yeah. What happened after that? Tell me more. Well, at that time I was already engaged. Mm-hmm. I met my husband at the university where I studied, so that was pretty clear. I would get married after that, so mm. I returned to my home country. And was this ever a discussion between you and your hu- your husband to be missions or overseas work? Well, that's a very interesting and difficult part of my story, where my husband got to know the Lord through me. Mm-hmm. So I told him we fell in love with Did you blackmail him? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in a sense, I did, I guess. And that's not an easy part, actually. So I told him, if you want to stay together, you have to get become a believer, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, become a believer now. <laughs> he sort of was willing. He went to our church. He went to an evangelistic Bible study group. And I always made sure that it was a different group, a small group than I was in. And we actually chose this time in Turkey, specifically me, to say, okay, let's test it. If you're just believing in God. He committed his life to, mm. to God, and um, but I wanted to te- him to test it while I was away. Mm. I didn't want him to just do it. for Because of you. Yeah. Right. So we chose, deliberately chose this year to, yeah, make sort of make sure we want each other and he wants God to be in his life. So, yeah. yeah. So, but then we did and then we got married after that. If he would have known Turkish, he studied Arabic and Persian. Mm -hmm. We might have stayed there and I have no answer. I mean, we never discussed going into mission at that stage because he was a very new believer. Yeah, so then we settled in our home country and uh, we had four children and that was the next 30 years of my life that I was busy busy with. I worked in the beginning until the first child came and then I was at home. That was the time when I was wondering, yeah, I was at home, I chose it deliberately not to work and um, but I wasn't very happy with it. There were Mm. times when I was really exhausted with the children and uh, felt very (laughs) brainless sort of Mm. (laughs) what am I doing here living out in the country having traveled a lot Mm. having learned those languages what am I doing here Mm. and really asking God you know did I make the wrong decisions Mm. here 
yeah, but I said, yeah, I'm here now and have that's, my that's children, right, so yeah. I stick to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually think sometimes I, I sugarcoated things, you know, mm. and asking, you know, not wanting to admit that I did make wrong decisions. Mm. And I, it was always the question of, are you fully committed to the work, you know, also from uh, the organization before I went to Turkey and things like that. And always this question, are you just following your own desires and dreams and things like this and wanting to make things fit into your life that you want to have? Because I'm quite a strong-willed person. <laughs> People say, well, if I want something, I get it. Mm. So, yeah, it has its positive and negative sides. Mm. So that was the underlying doubt. Did I always just, or did I end up here just following my, my own desires? and not God's ways. It's an interesting question. What would you what would you say to somebody back in your home country who asked you that question? This is such a tough question because you need to really I I mean I, even before I joined the ship I was at the stage where I n didn't know anymore am I really concerned about God's work or is this my own just wanting to get out <laughs> and and get off. I think there's always a mixture and sometimes not such a clear way. Yeah. And let's be honest i mean we're always we're not always that holy to say okay my motives are that holy i think god uses uh, um, our inclinations our desires our giftings or whatever you call it and our dreams to to put them i i think we at some point we really need to submit them to him to to in order for him to let him use us totally in in his sense but i also think he leaves us sometimes and and watches us how mm. we sort of toddle around where we could f walk fast much faster if we had submitted totally to <laughs> him before yeah holding on to our dreams and and desires and um i mean at that stage i did not feel that i had to sort of confess and and repent or anything mm. you know it's just like yeah a little bit of defiance at some point maybe so I would always uh, ask people, yeah, where, where do you come from, and is is where what is your relationship with God look like? And especially now, looking back, I would make sure that they have a very good relationship with mm. God, and time with God, mm. because I totally believe that He will then change your desires mm. and change your dreams. Yeah, yeah. I like w I like your answer to that. Instead of looking at where are you physically. What are you doing? You want to know how their relationship with God is. Mm -hmm. Is this relationship based off of guilt? Mm -hmm. I'm not doing enough, mm -hmm. or I missed my opportunity, or whatever, mm -hmm. or, or or is this relationship built built off of hope, trust, and love mm -hmm. between mm -hmm. you and God? Amen to that. I think that's such a kind response. It's a very pastoral response. I think we need more pastoral responses and missions. I come from a background where my mother was very strong and very in the sense of you need, you know, God does not want you to do this and you doesn't want you to Just do that. It's very so, clear. Yeah, and I always had a bad conscience. Hmm. That was my, I always felt bad Yeah, that I had made bad choices. I'm, yeah. I'm a bad character. I'm, And so I always took the, or was more easy to take the blame when things didn't go as as they should be going now i see it differently and i'm i'm totally more 
seeing that that God just has so much more patience with us Amen. and, and uh, yeah and what is forgiven is forgiven and mm. uh, you might deal with what you did in the past you might have to deal with that mm. but not out of guilt mm. but because you know that you need to grow and God is building character in, in me yeah amen and we never want to lose sight of the fact that Christianity ought to be a faith full of rest take my yoke upon you my burden is easy and my yoke is light, mm-hmm. right? Um, and somehow we manage to fill ourselves with guilt instead of rest. So 30 years goes by. How did you end up where you are now? How did you end up mm-hmm. in these last seven years in the position you're in now? Well, that's the beautiful side of all of this. Well, because I was always praying, and especially in my deep valleys when I was doubting everything and not feeling very good as a mom or a wife even. I was kept on praying, you know, Lord, what, why did you put me here? And what, mm. what did I do wrong? Mm. And uh, is there a, like a second chance or something? Mm. I always said that if you made the wrong choices, God will not get, let you li- lead a life, a second best life mm. or something. Mm. That sounds good, but <laughs> it doesn't often feel that way, you mm. see. So, um, yeah, so like when I was at the age of 60, I the interesting thing is that I had a lot of things that I got involved with a lot of voluntary work mm. among refugees in in the Christian school that my children went to in in many different areas and um working with families that had difficult situations and it was always a context that was a little bit Christian but not all of them and mm. I was actually in some of the roles, I was forbidden to share my faith, and it was always I always had that urge to share my faith and to talk about God, mm. and and letting people know that there is hope and life, and through this involvement in these many different areas, I got frustrated with the work I did because of course I, we did a lot of good for the refugees or these families. But I could never invite them to Jesus mm. because also not just because I was forbidden to say I did that anyhow, but <laughs> because I didn't have the group around me or the yeah. background where I could invite them to. That made me so frustrated that I started stop. I, I reduced my wor- work and I said I have to look for something that is really fully serving God in His purpose and give offering these people a life with God mm. and in life in eternity because anything else will just fall short in mm. a way. So I started looking around, where could I help in, in mission work or in, in an organization that does it in a, on a Christian scale? And uh, I looked around and asked around and that led to an amazing call from a far off country asking f- uh, one person who I, I shared this my my desire or my my request with he he remembered it and he said he's one guy who needs some help in in his work within a mission organization do you think you want to do this and i immediately said yes mm. i didn't even think about it yeah. or pray about it <laughs> <laughs> it was clear to me the way he described it i said yeah i go for it i i try it mm. and that was it mm. so i started out just with a few hours working for this guy that i never seen and mm. uh, Working remotely, um, he was living in the Near East, and uh, slowly and slowly, God just opened one door after mm. the other, and me realizing this is totally what you were looking for. I'm not an yeah. administrative person at all, mm. so this was a hard side of it, but working for a person 
whose heart is totally in in the way a heart for people and and for mission and for reaching out was totally what I wanted to mm. do and being able to help this person and to get much more involved in all the other work as well step by step things opened up that I was just it's for me it's dumbfounding because mm. it's just yeah what I always wanted to do I'm doing it now from my comfortable home and using my knowledge of the Arab culture and my love for sharing with people and enabling people to do that with others. So mm. I might not be in the front line, but I'm, I'm enabling people and, and uh, encouraging people in my, my personnel role mm. to, to come and work. And this is totally exciting for me. I think it's amazing. At 60 years old, you said uh, you you decide like man I need to do something more th- I need I, I want to do something more kingdom minded uh, than what I'm doing and you started you started working uh, for a missions organization and what what would you say to like somebody who is in their post retirement year or, or retirement years maybe and they're feeling maybe like oh I want to do something a little a little bit more as well. Well, it's a pre-retirement age. Pre-retirement 60. age, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but no, yeah. I mean, one thing I wanted to mention too is that me praying and asking God, you know, what is all this all about? It was all these years and then me doing this and, and, and living this, I just totally saw that God saw me all mm. these years and prepared me for this. Mm. He took all these steps that took mm. years and, and caused a lot of pain and uh to build all this up and to make me ready and and willing and excited to do this. He gave me a lot of energy. So, yeah, I would tell people just look around and don't stop looking, don't stop praying, you know. Mm. I I would tell people that are much younger, ask God to to really equip you for whatever might lie lie ahead in Mm. in whatever years to come Mm. and don't settle for what what you are doing. And if you're discontent, and I felt that God was really putting that discontent in my life and and, uh, the beauty of it was that I quit these jobs and I um, also had a shop where, you know, things that I did on my, where I lived. So I quit these things before I accepted the other work. So mm. it says God made it so easy for me, you know, mm. because I listen to what God puts in your heart and um, never stop reaching out to, mm. to what you desire or what you wish for or what your dreams are. Mm. Dreams is, sounds a bit wishy-washy, but um, I think God puts puts dreams in our hearts and desires and longings. Yeah, that we, in in total dependence on Him, we can just... Uh, live out in some ways i think when we think about missions it's cross-cultural learning a new language learning a new culture evangelizing people who've never heard the gospel before but there's also a massive role in a massive indispensable role for administrators mm-hmm. and people behind the scenes people in personnel people in administration that keep this this whole thing running we also don't want to forget about that. Like God can use you, whatever your background is, whatever your, uh, maybe you're not an extroverted evangelist, but actually God can still use you in world missions. Definitely, yes. I mean, I'm a person that loves challenges, so I think it's a bit easy for me to do that. And I do things that I never thought I would do. I never thought I would mm. 
be a digital person. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Learning all these things. What a privilege it mm. is actually mm. that I could still do that and learn it while I could still learn it. It depends, of course, a bit. I mean, I, on the learning type you are or the, the type that you, yeah, those characteristics that God puts in you. But I'm sure, yeah, he will always use it in whatever area you are. Mm. And I think the supportive role can also mean that I mean, I'm, I've learned a lot from my team members mm. and the things that they are doing, yeah. and I'm putting them into practice in, in this, the environment in my community. So mm. I think anybody can do that. Mm. The principles maybe that are designed for church planting in hard places, you're putting them in into practice in your own community. Well, yeah. amazing. Mm. When you think about, uh, you, you know, we're just kind of talking about a little bit about different characteristics and personalities or whatever. When you think about attributes or characteristics that make for a good cross-cultural worker. Do you see any patterns or areas where you think like, oh man, this is definitely a non, this is definitely not a helpful characteristic trait or mm. this is something, if you get this right, it's going to take you a long way. Yes, I think definitely the um, char characteristic of wanting to learn mm. and continue to learn being open to changes. If you are a person that needs everything set out for you and planned out for you, especially with the organization that we're uh, working with, it's, yeah. uh, which actually brought me to this organization because I found them. They they mm. trust a lot. They entrust you with a lot. And trust, trusting that God will enable you to do it, even though you might not have the qualifications for that. Mm. And I thrived on that. And not everybody does. So that is one thing. But coming back to cross-cultural uh, workers, I think it's very important that you need to be humble and need to be willing to learn and to let go of you wanting to control the situation. And really, you you need to give up a lot of your comfort zone and, and mm. things you've achieved in your life, especially if you're older being able to maneuver and, and, and live in, in your language and understand everything. Yeah, it takes willingness to learn, humility. Humility, yeah. Yeah, I think humility is so important. You know, I was talking to a guy the other day who was an engineer back in his home country, very successful, making good amounts of money. They, they felt called to, to cross-cultural work. work. Uh, the guy actually lost his job, then, then they came out. And you know, and then... It's like, you can't even say, I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. It's like, man, I was like, I was a professional in my field. Mm -hmm. And now I struggle to get around. Mm -hmm. uh, so there is a lot of, especially in the beginning, uh, I guess you need humility throughout throughout all, all of your life, especially in the beginning. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned, you mentioned the right word, success. It, success is something you might not see mm. uh, for quite some time mm. or, or need to measure it in a different way yeah that's right i think the measurements we use are often are often coming out of corporate america rather than the pages of the new testament mm. and that can be very frustrating when you're in missions and hard places mm -hmm. uh, trying to measure the same way you would measure you know mm -hmm. uh, success in a church in dallas texas i think i told this story before but one time i had a pastor come out and uh he was just here for a few days and he looked around and he was like why are there so few people being saved in this part of the world? <laughs> and I said, how should I know? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why people don't come to faith. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, uh, last week, I went on a bike ride to a, a village in the in the south of the country. We're in with two Muslim guys. In one of these guys, we've been investing for five, six, seven years, and still hasn't become a believer. We got to this little hostel we are staying in, and the first thing they did was in this tiny little room. They washed up, they got their permits out, and they prayed for what seemed like a half hour. And I was just sitting there staring at them. There was nowhere to go. The room was so tiny, you know. And I just remember sitting there thinking like, wow, they're no closer today than they were seven years ago. Seven years of investing, of conversations, of prayer. And here he is saying his prayers to, you know, the God of Islam. So, yeah, I guess changing the way we view success uh, is a is a very important thing in ministry. Yeah. Plus, I would mention that, or might might want to mention that um, you don't know what is inside of him. Mm. That, of course, mm. is also because I believe that God uses every prayer, every word you invest in these mm. people. I'm so sure of that. It just takes such a long breath. I was just now talking about my language helper i'm trying to learn arabic again and we talking to some other person who is involved in language training she said oh it's so amazing that you now meet up with this lady who moved countries several times and uh, was a language trainer at at one of our centers and she's been shared with and talked to from by people from different organizations and then she moved away, as I said. And then now I'm in touch with her through interesting mm. <laughs> constellations. And it's I can pick up what other people put into her already. Mm. And it's so amazing. Mm. And we're talking about like maybe 10 years mm. of time, maybe a bit less. And it's just, yeah, I'm, you know, mm. God gave me that desire to learn Arabic and I somehow got linked to this lady and I totally believe that this is how God orchestrated that mm. and how he put seeds in her and these seeds grow and I'm at a point where I can maybe, you know, accompany her uh, further. Yeah, amen. In, in a sense, you can see how you are a, a link in the chain Yes. of what God is doing mm-hmm. in, this, in this person's life. And I think that's one of the beautiful things and one of the hard things about ministry mm-hmm. is everybody wants, we all, I, like we always, always want to be reapers. Mm-hmm. We want to be harvesters, mm-hmm. you know? The only, it's like the only measurement is harvesting. How mm-hmm. much harvest have you got? Uh, but it takes a lot to get to the harvest. Amen, yes. And some people are Sometimes tilling the soil. Sometimes it's fast, but usually it's that's right. Yeah, way. yeah, that's right. Sometimes it's fast, uh, and sometimes it's it's not. And in the midst of all of it, uh, God is on the throne, reigning Definitely and ruling. Is, yes, and that's what I mean. If I when I see my life and yeah, how He orchestrates things, He mm. has authority over every realm of our life, and He lets us see little bits of pieces. And I'm so excited about what He does in mind that I'm much more convinced that every little thing I do and pray for that this counts and, and is a puzzle piece in, in, in what he does because he uses us for his glory. I mean, we do things. In a, in a sense, you could say he watches over his glory. He watches over amen. his children. And uh, yeah. Well, amen. I, I don't know if this is too sensitive a question we're talking a little bit before i pushed record just how your role is unique in the sense that you are uh, you're not on the field you're working in missions uh, you're not on the field 
and yet you're involved in people on the ground you're also involved on the in the leadership side of things you get to sit in in a lot of different kinds of meetings when you kind of survey the land and you look at the maybe what what's frustrating people out there what's frustrating leadership what's frustrating people on the ground what what do what do you see are there any re- reoccurring complaints uh, that you hear is it too negative a question <laughs> no i don't think so but it's not so easy to answer and um i know about leadership that leadership is a very lonely thing <laughs> having to I say that please many, many different people. I know that pleasing is not what we are supposed to do. We, I mean, but that's, you know what I mean. You Absolutely, know, um, yeah. Everybody's got a problem <laughs> and, and an issue and they're all coming to, yes. to the leader and it's a very thankless job, isn't it? Yeah, so when when the leader has a has a vision or the, the organization has a vision and they might um, have a different emphasis and he has to put that into practice mm. within the field and so people have to move their paradigms and maybe shift their their focus and things like that it's always very difficult to to really how to communicate this how to align them to this how to really get everyone on board depending on their different characters and times that they've served on the field and and knowing it all and and being successful or fruitful whatever you call it and um, Mm. yeah i think that is very difficult for leadership and um, also not knowing all the details of when their teams are spread out widely Mm. yeah it's always communication which is a key thing that frustrates both sides, I guess so. And for the others, I think it's always this this um, reoccurring uh, issue of being seen. Mm. Are we mm. seen? Does leadership see us? Does do the other team members see us? Uh, what we are doing? How we are doing it? And all the time I find that people need encouragement much more than you might think, even strong people or people that seem to be thriving. I think it's, um, yeah, me as, as doing people care as well, I think it's it's taking care of people in a good way without overloading them. And yeah, again, this being seen in a good way, whatever that might mean is is crucial i think and um encouragement is what we all need and 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 the leaders need i think as well i think it's interesting that i'm i'm not a leader have no leadership position nobody nobody is following me (laughs) nor do i have any titles and sometimes i think like oh it's the leader's job and sometimes i unconsciously think that the the leader's role is to encourage me not Mm -hmm. the other way around Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's true that that we should be encouraging one another. It goes both ways, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. This thing about not being seen or, or wanting to be seen, I think is very insightful because 90% of what the cross-cultural worker does is never seen mm-hmm. or reported or noticed mm-hmm. by anyone. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, I think it's, it can be a lonely job, mm-hmm. this feeling of not being, yeah, not being seen. How do you think we do better at that? The very, very pious answer with that, to love one another more. Yeah, amen. Um, no, but it's true, isn't it? We do want mm. to 
think about how can I encourage this other person? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's the encouragement that also Paul talks about. And I think we should encourage each other with scripture and songs, which sounds very, mm. yeah, what does that really mean? But mm. taking taking the effort of when you've, you, you yourself received encouragement or received the verse, make it an effort to, mm. you know, grab hold of, the, you know, your teammate and do this. I mean, it's, it's mm. uh, when you suffer maybe try to see you know maybe somebody else suffers as well and and but you can still encourage that person and give him some notice of you, you noticing him mm. if that makes sense so of course there is no uh, perfect solution to this or a common solution to that but i do believe that anything that will help people to to really see each other in the team and to uh, again walk with each other, do different things where things might have become um, hardened or set ways, two set ways and how you deal with each other and how what things you do. Try to do new things and, and in this way encourage each other maybe. There is this area of proactiveness, mm -hmm. you know, that we need to be proactive in sharing and encouraging and loving one another. Amen. I will, uh, I, I will, I will listen to what you're saying and Uh, Lord willing, put it into practice. My last question for you is about uh, spiritual health. Twofold question. One, what, what does it take to maintain a healthy relationship with God on the field? And do you see any pit, pitfalls that people maybe fall into sometimes there? And uh, what about yourself? Uh, do you have any rhythms that keep you spir your spiritual uh, health vital? Yeah, let me answer the last one first because that's easier for me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I've learned much more uh, in the last few years to really spend time with God in a sense of just being in His presence, mm. not talking so much. Sometimes I can't hear myself praying anymore because I use the same phrases mm. and I just learned to not do mm. that. Maybe just name the word of the person that I'm mm. wanting to pray for and realizing more and more that when I look at God, and that means, of course, not just standing there and maybe looking into the sky, but going very consciously into his presence and enjoying his presence and, yeah, reading the word and, um, yeah, but also knowing that the more I look at God, the more he will really make me look the way that he where he is because i will automatically look towards him so that's the right direction <laughs> i don't know how to explain that but it's like when when you ride a car i was taught in when i was you know in driving school that when you look at the end of the curve that's where you should look and not at the the front of the curve because that's where you look that's where you will go mm. where your car will go mm. And that is a truth that I've really seen in my life now very much. I sing many more songs just doing that and uh, enjoying the presence of God and worshiping him in my way. Mm. It might be short or long. And I, the rhythm I do is that I start the day with him. It might be very short. Mm. Sometimes I just thank God <laughs> and pray the Lord's Prayer. And sometimes I do a longer prayer and uh, Bible study. But that's not 
doesn't make a difference to me. But and the, then the time, the time yeah, isn't the important. goal. Yeah, and then ending the day because I'm just realizing that he's been with me the whole day and uh, acknowledging it. And I, I changed my attitude. Usually, I went to bed and just you know before mm. halfway asleep, I would thank God. And I don't do that anymore. It's like I feel that I have to. Yeah, I stand up or mm. or sit or kneel. Some things like that. Yeah. Things change, and I'm 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 grateful that I can in that way experience God's presence more. Mm. People have different ways of doing mm. that, and I think for the people on the field. Oh, oh, and one other thing I wanted to mention: I have a an accountability partner, mm. which is very important. Yeah. I have one person who asked me, "Do I want to read the Bible with her?" and ask each other questions, accountability mm. questions. And I've been doing that for several years, which is really, really good. Mm. Wow, amen. So we've yeah. read through the Bible three times in that wow, time. Wow, amazing. And I'm at a point where I say, oh, I just want to read one verse each yeah. day. <laughs> Tired <laughs> of the bit, six chapters <laughs> a day. Yes, especially of the Old Testament, and I can't read you know, through some of the books too often. Um, but that is amazing mm. because um, I'm somebody, if I know I have a call with her, you know, every week, I read those chapters yeah. and we talk about them and we ask the questions about our spiritual life, our our family, you know, our mm, marital life, financial mm. things. And you, you can decide what questions you mm. want to ask each other. And um, yeah, that's amazing because mm. that's how we encourage each other and help each other grow. Mm. Wow, having amen. that accountability, yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, and yeah. I would say that this is something that everybody should really have mm. in one way or the other. Because if you have, or a life-giving partner is maybe a be better word, mm. you know, somebody who can who really wants to know where you are, mm. you know, not checking up on you in a, mm. in a bad way or controlling you mm. or... Are you functioning? This is not the thing, but really being interested. How how did your last week go? Mm. And doing the same, you know, you asking each other the questions. So it's mm. a vice versa. So, and I think being a full time worker, it often the danger is always. I mean, that's commonplace. Is that you think, yeah, you are in a spiritual work, and maybe you miss out on those very precious moments alone with God. And you think you also have to be successful or mm. have a certain program doing this. Whereas I think God just wants to be present in your life in however way you can do that. Look at a, at a tree or listen to some very good music and um, yeah, just enjoy him caring for you, I think. Mm. And that is the self-care that goes along together with God, you know, where you say, He's giving me times out and times off because he cares for me. And these are also times of worship to me, mm. doing things that I, I like to do and I enjoy doing if I have the ability to do it. Yeah, I think in my own life, stillness, even though I know I need it, stillness with God, it's almost like a terrifying activity, you know, just sitting and listening, sitting and sharing simply you know like you were saying just maybe it's just one name you know i find stillness to be so difficult mm -hmm. that may be a generational thing i don't know you know where it's just like so much is so much uh, uh stimulus is mm -hmm. always coming in mm -hmm. yeah i don't find that easy I, either mm -hmm. like listening to god listening prayer what what is the difference between listening prayer and being still before god 
I I usually go for a walk. I go out mm. in nature, and I think people have different ways of doing that. And I don't think I need to be void of any thoughts or anything. But yeah, I <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I never get. I'd never go there. I, <laughs> yeah. It's hardly. Sometimes I have that those uh. moments. But I I go into the woods and ask God to just meet me there, and mm. that means that I might just not have any special deeply spiritual thoughts but just enjoy my surroundings and mm. breathing in the air and um yeah and he's in there experiencing the the gentle the gentle kindness of our heavenly yes. father who provides yes. all these things for us yeah. yeah and then things happen like the trees suddenly start you know the, the there's a wind coming towards me and i have this feeling that is just exactly god you know touching mm. my face through the wind and the the leaves just fluttering around me and nowhere else anybody could say oh yeah that's just a wind streak of wind coming along you so it's but for me these deep moments of having the feeling that god is just exactly doing that to say here i'm here you know i'm coming towards you and uh, yeah thanks for being with me today it was great it's a great pleasure. having you thanks for sharing amen to that well god is never done using us And we never know what he has in store for us in the future. I hope you were encouraged by today's conversation. And I want you to remember, it's okay to be normal.